play guitar every week. Oh, yeah! Well, oh, too bad, it was in Boston. They did a great job on the communion. Uh, thank you guys so much for sharing that. Todd, your little clothes there was sermon-worthy. That was awesome. Uh, the contribution was uh, just incredible. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for uh, just sharing that. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's so special when you see guys like Tyler come on into the kingdom and then bring their talents and then transform their talents for God. Yeah. And, you know, that song that Tyler played during the passing of the communion was something that he wrote. Awesome. And it just makes me think, how many more disciples are talented enough yeah. to use their talents for God in such a great way? Yeah. Um, just want to welcome all of those who are visiting to Seattle. <laughs> City. I know I am. This is my favorite city I've ever lived in. I uh, grew up in Syracuse, New York. Uh, went to school in Chicago. Got my first job in New York City. Uh, fell in love in California. Moved back to upstate New York. And um, yeah, Seattle's the best. So just love being here. It's so great to just be with uh, the church here as well. God's been doing so many great things. Uh, today we're going to talk about some heart issues. Ooh. I know you guys like your robot kind of stuff. You want me to just tell you what to do all the time. But today we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Dive on into our own hearts, and I really pray that today is a time for you to reflect on, on your relationship with God. Yeah. So I'm not looking for a lot of hoorah, but if you are feeling the sermon, give me an amen. amen. We got two points today. Not too creative. Point number one, trust God's commands. Nice. Point number two, trust God's direction. Love it. Let's go to Psalm chapter 23. Amen. You know, we're commanded in the Bible to love one another. We're commanded to love even our enemies. But something that you're not commanded to do in the New Testament is to trust each other. And I think that's because trust is something that needs to be earned. The title of our message is, It's Time to Trust. Come on, bro. We're going to talk about obeying God's commands and following God's direction. But it's time to trust. Yeah. You know, trust is something that we need to earn from one another. Yeah. It's something that you give to each other. It cannot be commanded because it's from the heart. You know, the New Testament, what you read is many scriptures that teach you need to trust Jesus. You need to trust God. You need to trust God's word. But there's no scripture that says you need to trust each other. And we need to really learn how to trust each other, why to trust each other, decide to give our trust to one another. It's something you must learn. It's something that you must give and earn. You know, this is something that you give at your own discretion. God commands love, but he doesn't command trust because it's up to the individual to figure it out. You know, the issue in every relationship... Is trust. Love is something that you do and it's shown through your actions, and we are commanded to love each other. But trust is something that you need to decide to give. Yeah, come on. That you fight for in the relationship. You can have love and not have a relationship. Like Jesus says, love your enemies. But every relationship needs trust. If you have no trust, you have no relationship. And so this morning, I want to convince us, number one, to give our trust to God. And number two, to trust His ways. You know, last week we talked about Psalm 23, verse 1, and that 
God is our great shepherd. And today we're going to get a little more practical and a little more artsy. Let's start our reading here in Psalm 23 and verse 1. Come on, bro. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We need to learn to trust God's commands. You know, right here, what you see is the heart of David. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't, he doesn't ask me to do it. He doesn't suggest that I do it. Yeah. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Yeah. And then it says, he leads me beside quiet waters. You know, these are really the two things that we're going to focus on today. Because as disciples of Jesus, this is what we are all about. You see, the heart of a disciple is number one, to be a student, and number two, to be a follower. And the heart of a student is, I don't know, please teach me. And the heart of a follower is, I don't know where I'm going, please lead me. And so, in essence, what David's touching on here in verse 2 is discipleship. Command me, make me, and lead me. And that's the heart of every disciple. You see, when, when we don't want to obey Jesus... It's simply because you don't trust his commands. And that's what it comes down to. If there are things in the Bible that you're having a hard time just obeying, just buckling down and doing what the Bible tells you to do, it's because you don't trust God. You don't really trust in the commands. And that's the hard issue. You can make it about all these other things. I don't have time. I don't have the desire. I don't have the motivation. Bottom line, you don't have the trust in God. And David had the trust. And he says, I'll trust God. And if God tells me to lie down, I will lie down. Let's get into this a little bit more. Look over in Genesis chapter 33. In Genesis chapter 33, we we read this this passage here. We're not going to get all into it. But basically, Jacob has now met up with Esau. And he's about to give Esau his flocks. And Jacob says to him in verse 13, Genesis 33, verse 13. My Lord knows that the children are tender, and that I must care for the ewes and the cows that are nursing their young. If they are driven hard, just one day, all the animals will die. What he's touching on here is a principle in shepherding. You see, in shepherding, you don't, it's not all coaching. It's not go, 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 go until you burn out. There comes a time as a shepherd where you command rest. And you make your sheep lie down. Because if you push them too hard, they will die. And if the older ones die, the younger ones will die. And if you want to destroy your church, all you've got to do is push people too hard. And eventually they will burn out. 
But you see, God, as the perfect shepherd, commands rest. Yeah. And he makes us lie down. Like sheep, if we don't lie down, if we don't rest, we will die spiritually. You know, life is exhausting. Life in and of itself is exhausting. And when you live life day by day by day by day without taking any breaks, you wear yourself out. If you go day, two days, three days without any sleep, college students, because you're trying to get ready for those midterms and those final exams, you're going to eventually burn yourself out. You're going to fall asleep on your exam. You've got to learn how to rest. And this is so essential in following Jesus, that we understand that the commands of God are for our rest. Rest from what? What wears us out as disciples? Look over in Psalm chapter 32. Right here, the, the psalmist tells us the most exhausting thing of all. In Psalm 32 and verse 3, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What wears us out? Sin. Sin wears us out. It's exhausting. It's heavy to carry that guilt around day after day after day. Yeah. And so if, if guilt is exhaustion and repentance is refreshment, righteousness in obedience to the commands of God is our rest. Nice. You know, when you were in the world, before you became a disciple, you were exhausted. You were exhausted from people-pleasing. You were exhausted from your day-in, day-out routine to make money. You were exhausted. You were caught up in your sin. You had your addictions. You had your problems. You had your issues, your insecurities, your arrogance. And it was exhausting to keep it up. And then you became a disciple. And you found refreshment. You found the righteousness of God, the rest that God commanded you. When you decided to make Jesus Lord of your life and repent of the sin and the guilt that wears you down. That's right. You know, God's solution to guilt, God's solution to sin is obedience. Mm -hmm. He makes me lie down is God saying, obey me. Do what I'm telling you to do. And you go, no, 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 God, if I obey, if I do those things, I'm just going to wear myself out. And he goes, no, it's the opposite. Do what I tell you to do, and you will find rest for your soul. Psalm chapter 17, he says, when you obey God's perfect law, you will be revived in your soul. You see, rest in God is rest in God's commands. This isn't about obeying A, B, and C, and eventually you'll get to Z. No, this is about obeying God so that you can live the life that God has designed for you to live. And you go, well, that sounds great, but what's my issue? My issue, your issue, is that you don't trust the commands. You go, how can I trust this book 
How can I trust this ancient book, this 2,000-year-old book that's been manhandled for all these years, all these centuries, all these people have had their way with this book? So many people in the past have used this book to hurt other people. So many people have used this book to be twisted around to control people and to control populations to do what they want them to do. How can I trust this book? Yeah. Come on. You know, and, and God, God provides us with an answer to that. Yes. He says, just do it. Yeah. In John chapter 7, verse 16, he yeah. says, just do it. Mm-hmm. He says, if you decide to give your whole heart to this book and obey yeah. my commands, Jesus said, you will find out, I promise you, you will find out whether this is just some random teaching from some random guy or if this is really from God. Yep. Yeah. And then a chapter later, in John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, to the Jews who had believed him, they go, okay, I'm ready to give you my heart. What does this take? He goes, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will say yeah. But this is completely backwards from what people are taught in the, religious, yeah. in the religiosity of America, yeah. in the Christianities of America. This is what they're taught. They're taught, put your trust in Jesus, obey him later. Right. And that's not the plan of God. Right. Jesus yeah. says, you will know the truth once you start doing what I tell you to do. Right. Live the life of a disciple. Obey God's command. Put your trust in Jesus by obeying the commands of God. Yes. You know, we, we look around and we go, well, this, this doesn't look like green pastures. I mean, isn't that what the psalmist says right here? It says that we're, we, we're made to lie down. Okay, I get it. I'll, I'll start lying down. I have no problem out. lying down. But then it says in green pastures. And I look around and it doesn't look like there's a lot of green pasture around me. Why would I need to lay down if, it, if this isn't green pastures? Let me tell you something. If you don't see green, you're colorblind. If you don't see the green pastures that you are lying down in right now, you do not value the things of God. America defines green as greed that's never satisfied, remorse that's unforgivable, egocentric motives, excessive use of drugs and alcohol, neglect and carelessness of family, That's the green of America. That's what people are living for day in, day out. And yet you decide to put your trust in God and obey his commands. He redefines green for you. The gift of the Holy Spirit received at your baptism. Real relationships. Enjoyable worship to God. Everything you need for life and godliness. Never lacking in zeal. Amen. The life of a disciple is exhilarating. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. It's amazing. You wake up every day, you don't know what's ahead of you. <laughs> you walk into an appointment with a non-Christian, you don't know what is coming before you. I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff that I would have never saw if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. You know, a song of Psalms, chapter 1 and verse 7, we're not going to read there because I don't want you single brothers to struggle. Oh Thank you. But it says, you rest your sheep at midday. And this is the principle of shepherding. You rest your sheep at midday. You push them hard all day long to get them where they need to go, to find the green pasture, and you make them lie down in that green pasture. Yeah. Right around the middle of the day, which makes sense. I mean, you think about the desert heat, the Middle Eastern heat, you would appreciate a little break. But really, that's our lives as disciples. Yeah. I mean, it gets hot sometimes. 
time was hot. Woo! I need a break. I need some time to meditate on that D time right there. You go out sharing your faith, you get rejected a few times, things are heating up. Things are heating up. You know, the life of a disciple, it's, it's not all relaxing. It's, it's not all kicking your feet up, chilling out. It's not all fun and games. But it is enjoyable. Yeah. It is exhilarating. Mm-hmm. And the life of a disciple, to decide to obey the commands of God and give him all your trust, yeah. is going to lead you to live a life that God has destined you to live. Yeah. In Ezekiel chapter 34, nice. we learn a principle of God here. Come on. In verse 14. God says, I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. You know, the moment we stop being a disciple in our heart, which is having the heart to obey, having the heart to follow, God says, those are the sleek, those are the arrogant, the ones that I will destroy. Why? Because I'm a God of justice. And I cannot tolerate injustice. Mm -hmm. You know, the heart of God is to bring us all to a good pasture and to allow us to graze in these green pastures. But we need to appreciate the things that God appreciates. We need to see as green what God sees as green. You know, the the fact that we have the Holy Spirit just speaks for itself. I mean, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, When you're baptized and you come out of the water and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that means that God literally has decided that now that you're cleansed, I can now live inside of you. A fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He says, I will be with you always. This is not figurative. No, Jesus says, I will be with you always. I will come live in you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will make sure that you stay in these green pastures. We need to value the relationships that God's given us in the kingdom. You know, for me, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I thought I did. I, I really thought I did. I thought I was popular because when, when it was like basketball season, I'd see my name in the stands. And I was like, man, I must be popular. And then later I found out that it was the mothers of some of the PTO group or whatever that made those signs for the players. I mean, I thought that my friends made those signs with my name on it. I thought when I came in the game and the sign went up, Joel, you know, I, I was like, wow, my friends really care about me. That's awesome. It was a little discouraging to find out that they didn't make those signs. And that they were told to put those signs up in the air. You know, that was a little dose of reality right there. I graduated college, and, or high school, and I went on to college, and I stopped being in touch with a lot of those guys. I mean, I I had some friends here and there, but I didn't realize how shallow my relationships were until I had real relationships. And I look back and I go, man, I I did not have real friends. 
Where were they when I was going through challenging times? Where were they when I was struggling with my faith? Where were they when I was challenged with school and going to college and all, the, all those sorts of things? And I didn't value the things back then that I had valued after becoming a disciple. And then I saw, wow, this is what a real relationship looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And I got open with the brothers, and, and they really were my brothers. Yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. No, we need to learn to value those relationships. We need to value worship of God. I mean, yeah. no casual worship. Sometimes I look around and I see people singing, singing like this. What is casual about worshiping God? You going to go to heaven like that? <laughs> She became our sister. And it really made me think, wow, how many of us have relationships in cities where we currently have churches that we could be reaching out to and really showing, hey, we're there for you when you're going through a hard time. You just never know when God's going to open that door and they're going to come on out and become disciples of Jesus Christ. No, so great this morning, bumping into Eric. I love bumping into Eric. Just such an awesome brother. And, uh, you know, most of the times I bump into him, I think back to, um, you know, back in January, January or uh, June 12th, 2016, when uh, Eric was restored in the church here. And I can't think back to the day he was restored without thinking back to the day he showed up to our park service. (laughs) All the way from Federal Way, he took an Uber for $67. All the way from Federal Way to go to Magnuson Park and find us over by the water having a park service. And just connecting and immediately saying, listen, I used to be a disciple. I've fallen away for a couple years. I'm ready to come on back. And 
on the spot, he just gave his trust yes. to the brothers. Yes. And uh, of course, two weeks later, uh, he got restored at the inaugural service, where we saw 191 people at church. Yes. When he got restored, he brought out some family members. And uh, Terry came on out. And I remember Terry, he was a little quiet, standing in the back. Still kind of gangster. <laughs> And I mean, it, it really, maybe he's still a little bit gangster. <laughs> but it really was amazing just getting to know him. And then over the next couple of years, studying the Bible with Terry. Now Terry's our brother. And yeah. you know, Terry brought out Michaela. Now Michaela's yeah. a disciple. Yeah. And now their daughter, Tasia's best friends with my son. Yeah. You just see the family of God forming, yeah. coming together, and growing in so many, so many ways. But it started because. Hannah decided to trust the commands of God. Yeah. It started because Eric decided to trust the commands yes. of God. And now I want to tell more stories this upcoming year. Is it going to start when you start yeah. trusting the commands of God? Yeah. Yeah. And really seeing all the great things that God's going to do in your life. Yeah. So now that you're convinced to trust the commands of God, i got to convince you to trust the direction of God. Because a lot of times you read things in the Bible and you go, well, that doesn't fit well with me. You read, them, you read these passages and you go, that looks uncomfortable. I don't know if I'm okay with doing those sort of things or going these different places. Right. But rather just trusting God's direction. Yes. The Bible says, David says, he leads me beside quiet waters. <laughs> you know, the principle, the idea here is obviously rivers have, you know, crazy, scary, dangerous parts. But then they also have the calm parts. Almost like it doesn't even look like a river anymore. And the water is just so still. You can see the reflection of perhaps the, the riverbank on it. And it's just so serene. Yeah. And that's the picture that David paints for the place, the part in the river that God leads us to. And you go, well, my life doesn't feel like that right now. You go, my life hasn't felt like that in a long time. Yeah. And yet we need to trust the direction of God. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Come on, Come on, Come on let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 7. <clears throat> Paul writes to the church in Corinth, but of course all of us, he says, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in the day, in, in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. You know, the issue with God's people in the Old Testament was always trust. Yeah. Can we really yeah. trust that going into the desert is going to be better than being back in Egypt. Can we really trust this fallible leader that God has sent to lead us? Can we really trust the words of this prophet as he tells us the commands of God? It was always trust. And when people pulled back their trust, God would pull back his blessings and punish the people until they decided to put their trust back in him. Yeah. Now, why did these things happen? Well, he tells us in verse 11. He goes, these things happened to them as, as examples and were written down as warnings for us wow. on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Yeah. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Yeah. But when you are tempted, 
He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Yeah. Wow. You know, the scriptures teach right here that as a disciple, you are always by the calm, serene section of the roadway. Well, it doesn't look that way. You know, God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Yeah. He will never allow you to go through too much. You know, we read that passage, and for some of us, we can get tempted to go, oh, well, if life is that good, then I can kind of just do whatever I want. Yikes. And yet the heart of God is, no, no, no. In me, in Christ, right. I will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the moment you decide to leave me, you will allow yourself to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Yeah. And so our desire needs to be to be close to God. Yeah. And to desire what he desires. Right. And trust that we are by the calm, quiet riverbank. You know, God cares too much to risk our spirituality. Yeah. You know, I remember whitewater rafting down in Chile, South America, many, many years ago. And, you know, it's kind of fun. You know, you get in the boat, you're going down the river, it's kind of, you know, it's exciting, it's serene, it's pretty, you know, it's calm. And then you hit two rapids. Then you hit level three rapids. Then you hit level four rapids. Now, we never hit level five rapids. But I remember at level four rapids, I mean, my heart was beating rapidly. You are, you are so in the moment. It's incredibly scary. My cousin literally fell off the raft no. and the guy reaches over and grabs him and pulls him back in and i mean we're, we're we're going down this raft we're getting stuck between rocks sometimes we're at these 45 degree angles i mean you are scared for your life it's it's crazy and isn't that how we feel sometimes in the kingdom yeah we start to get a little rocky and the reality is, in those moments, that the problem is we're not trusting in the direction of God. Yeah. You see, God's desire is that you're over on the riverbank, enjoying the calm, still, quiet waters. And when we try to do things on our own, before you know it, you're in the middle of a level four rapid. Yep. Right. And you're swimming for your dear life. And yet we need to trust God's direction. You know, I've seen too many disciples try to take things into their own hands. They go, man, it's calm and it's nice over here, but I kind of want to try to go over there. <laughs> Let me see if I can handle a level two rapid. Let me see if I can handle a level three or a level four rapid. And we, we're getting ourselves in all sorts of trouble. And it all comes down to we stop trusting God. Yeah. And we stop taking his direction. Come on, bro. You know, things will get challenging. He says, when you are tempted. But you can trust that God will always provide a way out. Yeah. You know, our dear brother, Mark Garrido, Oversees the churches in Hawaii. Quite a struggle, I'm sure. Man, I would hate to oversee the churches in Hawaii. You know, recently um, he got word that his daughter um, was going to pass away. And so he flies from Hawaii all the way down to Texas to spend the last few days with his daughter before she passed away. And then eventually she did. She did pass away. And um, as a church, we sent flowers, we sent a card. But, you know, it was tough times. And, you know, sometimes you look at the challenges that life throws your way, and it's easy 
to figure out what lesson God's trying to teach you. Yeah. Then in other times, it's not so easy. Yeah. You lose a loved one, and it's challenging. Yeah. What could God possibly be trying to teach me right now? Why did this have to happen? And you know, Mark came to the conviction, this happened just so I can learn to be like Job and persevere. You know, sometimes there's a very definitive lesson that God's trying to teach you. Other times, the lesson is just learn to persevere. Learn to fight for your faith. But we need to trust the direction that God puts us on. We need to trust that he will lead us beside those quiet waters. That no discipline is meaningless. There's always something to learn. And God's always providing the direction. You know, sometimes we can picture God as perhaps we did our physical authorities, our boss, or our family head. And perhaps those people in your life have been very neglectful and hurtful in the past. That's not who God is. God is a great shepherd, and there's always something to learn. You know, our dear sister, Aliona Sorokin, was traveling with her husband, Oleg, to try to get back into Russia. And at the border, they let Oleg in because he's Russian, but because Aliona is Ukrainian, they, they, uh, they, they put her in jail. And, you know, when you're in jail uh, over there, they don't give you anything but water. No food, just water. Yeah. And she was in jail, and uh, our brother Kip in Los Angeles encouraged her with Acts chapter 5 and 6 and Luke chapter 6 just to persevere and understand really what God was doing in the situation. And amazingly, Aliona persevered because over over in Russia, it's illegal to share your faith as a Christian. It's illegal. You get arrested for this. And while she's in jail, she prays. She gets her heart right, and she shares her faith with the guard, the male guard, in jail. And miraculously, the guard responds in her favor and goes and gets her something to eat. Now that is the grace of God. When you trust Christ, a couple weeks ago, this incredible couple was married down in Australia, Scotty and Jenna. And the plan was that they would get married and then move to Auckland, New Zealand to lead the church planting there. And as they were trying to get into the country, Scotty was denied a long-term visa. And so they needed to make a last-minute change as to who would lead the mission team. And in just two days' time, Sean and Tegan Valenzuela packed their bags, got ready, moved to to New Zealand to lead that church planting. Isn't that awesome? You know, when we trust God's direction, and we trust that God knows what's best, and it may not seem logical or rational to go the way that we are going in that, in, that, in that moment. We can trust this is what's best. And of course, I'm reminded of John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You know, when you're born of the Spirit, you hear the call. You see its effects. But it's hard to really tell where it's going. Now, I don't know where the Spirit is leading us to here in Seattle in 2019. But I can tell you where I wanted to lead us You know, here in just a couple months, we're going to see Roger and Kim, yes, my mom and dad, move from Chicago 
to be a part of our church here in Seattle. And as of right now, right, they're looking for homes up in the Bothell, Mount, Mount Lake Terrace, that sort of area. And uh, Lord willing, they'll, they'll come on out here, they'll find jobs real quickly so that they don't have to stay at the Irwin's house forever. <laughs> and God will really bless that move. And I'm excited because they're going to really help us with the, uh, the forceful advancement of the marriage ministry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've already charged up Anthony and Ty, because as of right now, uh, they're assisting Courtney and I in overseeing the ministry center that includes the singles and the marrieds. Yeah. But we had a great tea time last week, and we've given them the charge. Right now, pay real close attention and learn what you need to learn, because come June, you're in charge. Yeah. And so I'm excited because we're going to get to see the church actually start to branch out and entrust more people with more responsibilities yeah. throughout the church. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm really prayerful. That our church here of about 50 or so will be around 70 by the end of the year. Amen. And Lord willing, by the middle or beginning of next year, we'll be around 100. And I've already talked to John about this. I think when we hit 100, we need to plant Tacoma. But next year is going to be a busy year, y'all. It's going to be busy because we got to play. We're going to play Tacoma next year. We're going to send some disciples up to Anchorage, Alaska to plant the church up there. We're going to be planting a church in Boise, Idaho. I've got the desires of my heart. Okay. I don't. I don't know where the spirit's blowing us, but I can trust the sound. Okay. I can. I can trust the word of God. Okay. We can trust the commands of God. We can trust the direction that God is giving us. Absolutely. You know, I look around the church and I think right now we are more set up than we've ever yeah. been for forceful advancement in the church. Yeah. I'm excited about the fact that we got all the campus clumped together. Yeah. I'm advancement continue in the campus ministry. Yeah. I'm excited about what God's doing in the singles ministry. Yeah. Incredible people that have been coming on out to study the Bible or really will be disciples here very soon. Yeah. I'm excited about the marriage ministry. Yeah. I'm excited about what we have coming up even this month, the marriage devotional. Yeah. Of course, this summer with the marriage retreat. Yeah. These are all opportunities for us to put our trust in God. Amen. You know, as we read the passage here in Psalm chapter 23. Yes. I really want us to fully embrace the fact that right now it is time to trust. Mm -hmm. If you're studying the Bible, put your trust in God. Yeah. Obey the commands of God. Follow the, the direction that God is putting you on. If you're already a disciple, trust in God. Yeah. Trust your disciple. Trust that God's got a great plan for your life. Give your dreams to the kingdom. You know what's awesome? I'll close with this. Just a few weeks ago, I got together with our brother, um, Ed Zigby. And it was so awesome because uh, I was like, Ed, what is your kingdom dream? And he goes, my kingdom dream? What's a, what's a kingdom dream? <laughs> and I, I go, I go it's, it's, it's a dream that you have to be used by God in his kingdom. What, what's, and he goes, you know, I've been working at Boeing for 37 years. I've been there for a long time. But yeah, I think it would be great to retire someday. And maybe get involved in Mercy Worldwide. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Ed, that is 
a perfect training for you. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's so, so amazing to read the Good News email and to see all the incredible things that God is doing through Mercy Worldwide. Yes. Yeah. And I know that with guys like Ed that are that are locked in place with kingdom dreams to advance Mercy Worldwide, guys like Anthony Melbrick who are locked in place to advance a single ministry, yes. guys like old man Big Raj, okay. locked in place to advance the marriage ministry, yes. Danny Gardner to advance the campus ministry. It's time to put our trust in God, our great shepherd. I love you guys. Yeah.